All right, would you take your Bibles and turn to Romans 12? As we continue in our look at our spiritual gifts, what God has to say about all of these. And so, would you mind standing as we honor His Word together? Romans chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 3 through 8. It says this, For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, through, we though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, and the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You may be seated. When it comes to our Christian life, I think a lot of times maybe we've grown up in this way that um, it's all about making sure that we trust in Jesus to get to heaven. And while heaven is good, we want to make sure that we recognize that we don't go to heaven immediately. This is not Star Trek. We don't get in the transporter mechanism and all of a sudden just whoosh our way to heaven once we receive Jesus. He keeps us here. And he keeps us here not to try to fend for ourselves, but he equips us, right? Whenever you go on a backpacking adventure and it goes any amount of time, you bring things with you to equip yourselves for the trip. And that's what God has done. We are aliens and strangers in this world. We are ones who are, who are on our way to a better country. And because we're on our way to a better country, God, as he's left us here, he's given us some things on, along the journey to be able to help us. He's given us his word, he's given us his spirit, and he's equipped us with things along the way. A spiritual fruit, if you re- read in Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against which there is no law. But he's also given us these gifts that are empowered by this spiritual fruit. And when we think about the church, it's interesting. When we think about the church, God gives us a number of pictures in thinking about and helping us to understand what the church is. So we're his, we're his building. He's the cornerstone, and we are the living stones that come out and are lined up to Jesus, our cornerstone, providing that structure that he promised to build. We are his bride, and that talks about an intimacy that's there. We have a relationship where we are one with Him. But yet the picture we also see in this passage is the fact that we are a body. And that we are a body, one body, many members, different gifts, with different apportioning of those gifts, different faith given amongst those gifts in order to accomplish one function, the exaltation of Jesus Christ and the glory of God in all things. And so when we see this, we, we begin to realize we're going to look at this a little deeper in 1 Corinthians 12, and I would encourage you to read up on that between uh, by the time you're done here and uh, the time we meet next week. 
But I, I want you to know that when we're talking about bodies, that we're not all, we all don't have the same function. We have different functions. But we also realize that if there's something that goes on in our bodies, that the rest of our body has to compensate if there's an issue. You may remember back in 2017, you may not remember the year, but you may remember the event. Um, my son was playing soccer, and I was standing on the end goal, on the end line of where he was playing in goal, and a ball went a little wide of frame, and um, it dipped, and I was trying to catch it. I was trying to catch it before it hit the ground, and it short-hopped me, and it caught my finger, and my finger looked like a lightning bolt. Fun. That was a good time. And so I did not want to wait to go to the ER to have, which was probably would take 30, 45 minutes to have that done because I knew that the longer that that set, the harder it was going to hurt and the harder it was going to be to get it back. My wife being an RN, I'm like, pull it back, pull it back. And um, she looked at it and she's like, oh, and then she grabbed my finger and, mm. but now wasn't that fun? Wasn't that fun right before lunch? But what happened was I had, to, I had to have this wrapped up. And when we used to do our senior adult Sundays, um, I had to play for a quartet. Got to play for a quartet. I, 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 you know, and I, I, had, I had figured out a long time ago. I don't know why, but I had figured out a long time ago how to be able to play certain songs with three fingers. And so I did. But I had to compensate. When you stub your toe, the rest of your body compensates. Anything that goes on, you, you know this, any kind of health issue that you have, the rest of the body has to compensate or if something's not working the way it should. And that's what goes on with the body of Christ. We as Southern Baptists, we love the word autonomy. If you're not part of our Southern Baptist tribe yet, and you know that, that, uh, it's okay for you not to know this, but sometimes when we think autonomy, we think no one else can tell us what to do on the outside as a body of believers, but we are not autonomous as individuals. We are part of the body of Christ. We are a team. And we all work together in unity. And we get in trouble when we begin to think about I before we. Right? That's, you know, you've heard of I before E, except, well, I before we is a problem when it comes to the church. So when we look at this, the three points are actually framed around one sentence. And, and the sentence is this, and Craig, we're just going to go through boom, boom, boom. So go ahead and fill it out, and then you can, if you want to take notes, that's fine. We live in America. You can take notes or not. But a transformed mind leads to a transformed church exercising a transformed obedience. A transformed life, transformed mind, rather, leads to a transformed Church exercising a transformed obedience. So, Craig, you can just sit back for the next 30 minutes. You're good, bud. All right. No, there it is. <laughs> well, hopefully you all got that. So let's talk about this. A transformed mind. What's, the, what's that word, that, that word trans? We hear that a lot in our culture. I heard some reactions. So the word, hang on. Well, the word trans, and so what that actually means is on that, that prefix, on or the other side of. So, the word transaction. On or the other side of. I am giving you money. You are giving me a good. There is a transaction that is going on. A translation. 
you are putting it across a language barrier to be able to help them to understand your language, a translation, transportation, going from one across a barrier of mileage to another. You see this, transgender, going from and crossing the barrier of one gender to another. So transformation, in this case, is a change in character or condition. We use the word conversion. So when you are converted, it's not simply that you are just being translated from earth to heaven one day. I think that's how we sometimes talk to people. And that's why sometimes when it talks about a day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month obedience, a lifestyle, some people, because of how they've been confronted with conversion, they're thinking, what are you talking about? What I'm talking about is we have been transformed here and now. And the transformation comes, firstly, through a transformed mind. That's where all of this is starting. Before Paul even gets into spiritual gifts, he has a very interesting strategy about how he goes into things. Because if, we, if you're going through a spiritual gift study, why not just get right into spiritual gifts and let me know what it is so I can get on with my day? Thanks. No. What he's doing is he is setting something up for us to make sure that when we enter into that environment of spiritual giftage and we're looking at this, what we're looking at here, it's not a real word, I know, I saw you. But it's not a real word. But when we're getting into spiritual giftings and things along that line, there has to be some things in place in order for us to think rightly about it. And it's about a a mind. So look at verse 3, if you will. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone. So Paul has received this grace, which is fueling the gift. That's what really the word spiritual gift, it comes from that word charisma. It's a gifting. It's a grace gifting. I say this to everyone. To who? Not just the leaders. Not just to the spiritual superpowers. Everyone. Any of you that name the name of Christ, this is for you. I encourage everyone among you not to think of himself or herself as the case may be. More highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So there is a humility that comes along with a transformed mind. You not to think more highly of yourself. When people ask about you, do you start bragging on what you've done and what you've accomplished? Careful. Your identity has never intended to be in what you've accomplished. That will go away with the wind. As soon as you die, that's gone. But what you, ought, what you need to see is, I need to think of myself soberly in light of what Christ has done in my, on my behalf. Now that word for at the very beginning, that is, it connects you back. Grammar is our friend. That connects you back to what's previously been said. And I read to you, and I prayed through this passage earlier, but look at, look at verse uh, 1 of chapter 12, just a couple of verses back. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, there's an urgency here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Not turtle doves, not bulls, not goats, not anymore. You. You are presenting you before God. All of you. 
And he's saying this to everyone. All of you, you're presenting all. You don't hold anything back when it comes to the things of God. It's always been all his. But when you recognize it's all his, there's a shift in your thinking. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, if some of you may be reading from some other versions, and it may say they're your rational service. In fact, if you're reading from the ESV, that's what the footnote says, your rational service. Now, that's interesting in our day because now when you start thinking about something being spiritual and something being rational, in our day, in our culture, those two don't overlap. It's either spiritual, which we tend to think of as emotional. And some of you get worried because you may not have the emotion at a certain point in time that you think you should have. More on that later. And then the rational, the spiritual and the rational, well, they don't, they don't fit together. Actually, yes, they do, because God, as it says later on, where it says, do not be conformed to, the, to this world, but be transformed by how? The renewal of your what? Your mind, your thinking. Your feelings will take you everywhere. Some of you may have gotten upset about something before you came to church. Some of you may have gotten upset at something at church. And you, you have this feeling that you may have be having a hard time overcoming. What you need to do is to remember the promises and the precepts and the person of Christ mentioned in his word as a tether for you. Your feelings will take you everywhere. And if you don't have a tether to keep you lined up and focused on what he's all about, you're going to go wherever and do whatever and make all sorts of excuses about it because you're going to be the one that's going to be Lord of your life. But when we have been changed by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the gospel, suddenly now we are transformed by the renewing of our mind to his will. That's what it says later on, that you, by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, not the will of you, but the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect for by the grace of God that has been given to me, by the grace given me, rather. I say to everyone not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think right words wrong order but you see but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned two wrong ways of thinking too highly of yourself too lowly of yourself what is he saying he's saying think soberly and think the way God has for you and when you think that by the renewal of your mind you're no longer going to be about self anymore you're going to be about the savior then that is going to help you to understand in perspective what God has done in you and through you you're going to be content with the gifting that God has given to you you're going to be content with the assignment that he has for you there's not going to be this upheaval in you wow i wish things were going my way somebody mentioned that what the definition of burnout is when your, expectations out, when your expectations get out in front of reality and you get sad and you get, you get a little befuddled by it all. But the renewal of your mind is where it comes about. Michael Horton, he said this, even in the Christian world, there's a tremendous spirit of self-confidence and pride. Our church growth projects will, la- will at last usher in the kingdom, or we will do it by performing signs and wonders, what some proponents even refer to as magic. 
Or perhaps we will rule by taking over the public institutions and exerting political, social, and economic pressure on the enemies of Christ. Others may wish to achieve power through tapping the inner resources of the individual through the latest offerings of pop psychology. Some will demonstrate this self-confidence by reinforcing personality cults, legalistic restrictions, and peer pressure. Finally, some will appeal to the power of fear and paranoia to gather followings as if they had an inside track on such divine secrets as the date of our Lord's return. Evangelical gatherings are often marked by a certain smugness about the uniqueness of our generation and God's plan. And that's not how we're supposed to be thinking. We're supposed to be keeping ourselves in line with what God has for us and moving forward in that way. So that leads, this transformed mind leads to a transformed church. Look at verses 4 and 5. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so though many, so we though many are one body in Christ, having individually and individually members one of another. Sorry, my eyes are jumping this morning, so I hope you could read it even read it better than I just did. But you see there. A transformed church is filled with people whose minds have been transformed. And if we're all going after Christ, then we're all going to be going after the same thing. This is my favorite illustration. I've said it a thousand times here that it says that a hundred pianos that are tuned to the same tuning fork are tuned to each other. There's no, I, I can't find a better illustration. If you have one, let me know. I'll use it. I'll give you credit. Because, but it, it, there is something about if we're in tune to the same thing, we're going to be in tune to each other. But if, if we're just worried about ourselves, this is how I think things should be. Have you prayed about that? Have you consulted the Word? Have you consulted um, what, what the Lord would have for you? Have you done anything? No, this is how I think things should be. Da, 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 da. He's not impressed. And none of you should be either. Force of personality does not have any room, only the force of his personality, him. What does he want? So the humility, rather than the pride, has to be moving forward. And we, we see this in sports all the time. And, and I, even if you don't follow sports, this translates into so many other things. But over the years, many of you have seen sometimes these power teams that have a lot of money at their access um, the New York Yankees in the 90s used to do this. When George Steinbrenner, he would try to get all of these really top-notch alpha male guys on their team. And he thought, well, I'm going to get the best talent all the way around, and I'm going to put them top, you know, one to nine in the batting order, and we're going to go. You see it happen in football. You see it happen in basketball. And sometimes it works. Most of the time it doesn't. Because what happens is you can get the, the best players individually and there be no chemistry that's why sometimes when you see like in baseball and you see the um, the salaries of some of these baseball teams that are really really low in comparison to some of these power teams that have a really high you know like the tampa bay rays very low salary they're they're battling for first place new york yankees sorry to bring them up again if you're a yankees fan they got one of the biggest um, salaries in salary whatever's in uh, in the in the league, and then what happens? Well, they're in last. 
and they're under 500. It doesn't always equal. It's about chemistry. And these teams that when they work together and they know each other's tendencies and they know how to sacrifice for one another and they know what to do and they know each other's strengths, then what, do you, what you see here is all of a sudden they're able to work together and know each other's tendencies and they play for one another, not just play with one another. And when it comes to our spiritual gifts and our understanding of who we are, it's not about you. It's about the team. It's about the body of Christ. And if God has given you a certain place, you may want to bat cleanup, but he may not have you batting cleanup. He may, you may be better batting seventh or eighth and just putting the ball in play. Now, some of you, you might be able to stripe it over the right field fence. Great. But if you can't and somebody else can, that does not mean that you're less. You're on the team. And he's given you a certain way and certain giftings to be able to to use it and to say, I'm not going to because I don't want to do that. Well, then you need to go to the spiritual optometrist because you got an eye problem. You got to get that fixed. And the only way to get that fixed is by the Holy Spirit and repenting of self and I and confessing that and becoming part of you and we. Are you with me? It's not easy. That's not easy. The world doesn't operate that way. The world operates, who's the best? Let's get them, go. And that's not how the kingdom of God works. He wants us to do our best with what we have by his power. And so that's where we are. We are one body in Christ, the word says. And we are members of who? One another. We belong to each other. I don't want that. That's not what I signed up for. That keeps coming up, doesn't it? But yeah, it is what you signed up for. But it's a glorious thing to sacrifice self for the cause of Christ. There's nothing like it. Transformed obedience. Let's look at at, uh, 6 to 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? If you remember from last week, as each has received a gift, what does it say? Use it. Right? So, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That is a command. And so, for us not to use them, we can't, we can't whitewash this. We can't smooth this over. If you have a spiritual gift that you're not using, it's sin. He's commanded us to use it. Right? So, what are some of the gifts? This is not a comprehensive list, but it sure covers a lot of territory, as you'll see. So, look at this where it talks about the first one being prophecy. Now, if you've watched certain stations on cable, then you will think prophecy is, I'm going to come up with a different word, right? So I'm going to prophesy. I'm going to prophesy a new word. And that's not what's being said here in this sense. In 1 Corinthians 14, 3, it says, the one who prophesies, here's the definition. Aren't you glad when the Bible helps us out like this? Wow. The one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So this is not about speaking a new word, but it's about taking the word that God has already given and building each other up in it. Do you do that? Well, I don't have that gift of prophecy, so I'm going to be somebody that's going to be demoralizing and discouraging. Thank you very much. No, we're 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 all supposed to be building each other up. 
recognizing where we are, using words to build up, not to, not to tear down. Now, sometimes we have to speak truth to each other, but even if you're speaking truth to each other as a friendship, and you may be saying, well, that's, I'm seeing something that's going on, and listen, I love you enough to tell you that this is, this is what's going on, then you're still being loving, and you're still building them up. You're trying to help them to get out of that disobedience. So prophesy. So some of you had, some of you filled that out and you had that and you're like, whoa, 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 I'm not that. And what, you, know, you fill in the definition. But if God has given you this of upbuilding and encouragement and consolation, I beg you, not only on the authority of the word of God, but as, as pastor of ARBC, I am begging you to use that. We need building up. We need consoling. We need encouragement. Don't think that you're getting in the way. You're not getting in the way. Those words, we, we don't have enough of that, and I think that's why the anxiety and depression and suicide level is so high because there's no one coming alongside someone saying, you matter. What about Service. One commentator called service, um, service in our serving, as it says there. Just want to make sure we're clear on the word. One commentator noted that it was a readiness to tackle tasks that glorify God and assist others. There are a truckload of you here that have turned in spiritual gifts and have said service. You are ready to tackle tasks that glorify God and assist others. Now that you know that, I hope you are ready to tackle tasks in accordance to the glory of God and insisting of others. So teaching. So teaching, where this is another area where we are serving the people of God. So if you're a teacher, how many of you are Sunday school teachers? Or have been a Sunday school teacher in the past, or you've been a pastor, you've done something like that. So this is going to be interesting for you, because if that's a gift that God has given to you, and that may have changed over the years, this is what will happen. You will not only enjoy being up in front of people teaching, you will actually enjoy the preparation of it. You, I get to open my Bible and look at a passage of Scripture and break it down into those components, and I get to see, I get to teach that, and I get to see the light bulb go on. Some may fall asleep, that's fine, but others, the, I see the light bulb come on. And, and that, that excites you, not because it's you teaching and everybody's looking at you. Um, that's still a harrowing thing. When you have however many people are in the room today, and they're looking at you expecting something significant. So you have to rely on the Lord and all of those variables, Lord, please, I pray for each of the ones that are, that are hearing the word that it would get past the gatekeeper of their heart. I pray that they would be able to understand. And Lord, give me the words to say. Even if it's something I haven't prepared, give me the words to say. And there is, but there's something exciting about that where you see people get God's word. There's, I, I can't describe it. That's my gifting. And so I get excited about it and I can talk about it a long time. I'm not gonna, I'm gonna move on. But it's that, that understanding, that exhortation and encouragement and comfort and appeal piece as well. And one commentator said this, the church needs members with the ability to bolster, console, and rally others depending on their role, their need, or the challenge they currently face. So it's not about just teaching the Bible. This is, this is a great piece of advice somebody said. You don't just teach the Bible. And I got my hackles up. What are you saying I don't teach the Bible? No, you teach the Bible to people. You understand where they are. 
You have to get to know them as, as best as you can so that you can know how to minister the, the, the scriptures to that certain spot. Now, some of, there's another one that talks about the exhortation, which we mentioned, contribution and generosity. There, there's a longing to be generous with finances. Now, there's generous where, it's, you're, where you're giving out of your excess, which Jesus talked about in Luke 21. There are some that give out of their excess, and it doesn't hurt them. And then the widow's might. Or she gave all she had. And Jesus, even though she only gave the, the, the mites, which were maybe about a fifth of a penny, he lifted her up. The others, he didn't give any, any whatever because there was, no, there was no generosity. It wasn't a generosity where there was a sacrifice. The one who leads with zeal. But then we also see that the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Sometimes it's hard when you have that mercy gift and you're giving and giving and giving to continually do that with cheer. And so even when it's hard, though, there's something inside you. It's like, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to do this. What are the similarities? All the similarities are sacrifice, service. The similarities are it's Christ-like. In Mark chapter 10, um, the disciples were having a problem because they were trying to jockey for position. They wanted to, you know, mom comes up, would you please let, let my boys be on one side and let my, my boys be on each side of you when you come into your kingdom. That way when they look at you, just a quick little glance off to the side, they see my boys. How great is that? But in Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 35, and James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came up to him and said to him, teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. And he said to them, what do you want me to do? And they said to him, grant us to sit one at your right hand, one at your left in your glory. And Jesus said to them, you do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup I drink or to be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized? He's talking about his death, by the way. More on that later, um, weeks later. And they said to him, we are able. No, you aren't. But they thought they could. And Jesus said to them, the cup that I drink with you, that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptism, oh, my word. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. My words are failing me, everybody. Pray for me. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called to them and, and, and said to them, You know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant, and whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You want to be served. You want to be the big cheese in the room. Where is Christ in that? Nowhere. He came to serve. He washed the disciples' feet. He gave his life, even though we were there shaking our fist against him. He gave our life knowing that you, were, you may be living in rebellion now. He still loved you and gave himself for you, but for the purpose of going and sinning no more, not leaving you where you are. 
And the spiritual gifts he has given you as a body of believers. We are one body, many members, different gifts, one team, moving forward to the glory of God. It starts with a transformed mind. Your mind right now may be thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. I'm not going to do that. Well, you're not having to answer to ARBC for that attitude. You're having to answer to the one who commanded you to use what he's given to you, for you to use what he has given to you. It's not a natural thing. It's a spiritual gift. We are held accountable and responsible. But you may be thinking too less of yourself. I can't do that. Yeah, but he's there to be with you, to give you strength to move forward in what he's called you to do. You can do it by his power and for his glory. Okay, I'm in. What do I do? What you do is you begin to pray and to ask around, this is what God, I think this is how God has equipped me. I want to use it. Let me know how. What you have done is you have now sacrificed yourself for the cause of the team. And when that happens and all of us are doing that, the chemistry is going to be like none you've ever seen before because we're not thinking about ourselves. Think about 100 people just thinking about themselves. Well, no unity is ever going to come from that. And it's displeasing to God because he's called us to be unified. But if we're all thinking about Christ, 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 and we use our gifts and we treat each other graciously and we're there to be ready, at a moment's notice for God to use us, whenever that may be. Do you know what, what ha- the chemistry and the unity and the joy that will be in the church? Look what Christ did through me. I didn't think I could do that, but by him I can. Praise God. How else can I serve? How else can I use this? See what happens? Transformed minds leads to a transformed church that's exercising a transformed obedience. We're new. So let's live as Christ called us to live, ready to serve, not to be served, but to serve and to give our lives for the cause of Christ. Not like he did. We can't do that. But we can present our bodies as a living sacrifice, can't we? Let's do just that. So Father, help us as we see Christ in all of this, Christ being the one who made us, who wired us, who's bearing spiritual fruit in us, who's equipping us with spiritual gifts. And we move forward in blessed obedience. Change our minds, Lord. Change our hearts, Lord. Lord, I am grateful for all that you've accomplished on our behalf. I'm thankful that we can be ones who are hearing your word, But I pray, Father, that we're not just letting sound waves go across our ears. That may we have ears to hear and eyes to see all that you have for us. And Father, as we move forward, and you've called us to use what you've given to us, let's do that. Let's be obedient. Let's be obedient and use the gifts that you've given to us as we continue to bear spiritual fruit because we are connected to the vine. You are the vine. We are the branches. Thank you, Lord, for bearing fruit in us. But, Father, if we look and we evaluate our lives and hearts and we say, I, I don't 
believe that Christ is Lord of my life. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I've never trusted in Him. I've never made that transaction. Lord, I pray we would never leave. We would not leave until we have that set. And Father, I pray that if there are those that name the name of Christ, but they're not seeing spiritual fruit being born, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, that Lord, I pray that you would have them come and we can pray so that they could start a new life, a new journey where they are bearing fruit for you. Help us, Lord, in all that we do and say. In Jesus' name, amen.